So everything small, everything in my life exists Practical. small, mm. but it is small but complete. Mm. Small but definite happiness. So that's my survival formula for being a single mother. Very good advice. Hey everyone and welcome back to the Good Life Podcast. My name is Noor. And I'm Izzy Wahid. Thank you so much for being a listener, wanting to consciously learn, grow and invest in yourself and your future. Thank you so much for sharing all your insights, sharing in the channel with your loved ones. We love reading all your messages, all your insights. So thank you so much for that. How are you feeling, Nora? Feeling good? I'm feeling good. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, I just, I just uh, shared with you, I just finished my assignment. And Congratulations. It's the greatest feeling in the universe. Yeah. Yes, a huge burden <laughs> off your shoulders, right? Yes. Yeah, I know that feeling. Um, wait, did you do it last minute? Uh, kinda, Confession, yes. Kind of, yeah. But I'm so glad within that short time span, I was able to just do it. Usually the, the things you do at the last minute ends up becoming a masterpiece. Sometimes, sometimes they do. <laughs> I, I, I truly uh, feel yeah. that, yeah, my, my essay that written, it is a masterpiece. I am proud of yeah. it. And um, I, I hope everyone's <laughs> feeling good, feeling well, feeling healthy uh, in the midst of all this uh, virus that's spreading yeah. uh, all around the world. It's creating lots of chaos and panic. I just hope and pray that you guys take care of yourselves. And if you're not feeling too well, stay at home, take some medication, get some ample rest and hope that you recover very, very quickly. I also like to just share that let's let's be responsible um, members of the society by uh, ensuring that we do the right thing, we protect ourselves, we don't endanger others, uh, we don't make life difficult for others in whatever yeah. it is that we do, uh, and stay calm at all times and remember to always make dua. Yeah, great advice, great advice. So in today's episode, we have a very special guest with us on the show. She is someone who devotes herself entirely to education and she feels very strongly about you know, creating an ecosystem where children could learn Malay through creative tools and media. In her early life, she was exposed to the world of television, having grown up with you know the set with radio, television, Singapore's children's television workshop helmed by the Malay production department in the 70s. The set became her class room where she learned how to read, write and act for an audience even before she went to kindergarten. Wow! <laughs> and this shaped the way she viewed education being something that is interactive and fun for children. Eventually, as an adult, her career took her down the path of education where she first became a student development officer at a polytechnic and later on an education executive with a museum. Mm. So taking the route of an entrepreneur a few years later, she partnered Asia's entertainment icon and longtime friend Najib Ali and co-founded Mini Monsters. So 10 years on today, she continues to helm the company as the director of Mini Monsters. Cool. And she is none other than Rila Melati. Yay, welcome. <laughs> Hi. Hey, hey, hey. 
Hello, everyone. <laughs> this is so exciting. This is the first time I'm doing this. And, awesome. Um, yeah, I'm feeling so good. The first thing on a Monday morning. Yeah. What awesome. a way to start your week, right? Yeah. Awesome. We're awesome. honored to have you. Oh, thank you. Um, and for us to become the first to host you on oh, the podcast. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, you have that honor. Cool. Uh, on the week where Code Orange <laughs> <laughs> has just been announced. Let's, let's not mention that. <laughs> but I mean, it's an honor because you've been in the media industry for the longest time. Since yeah. how old? Since I was two, so that would make it 45 wow. years. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. And and we are the first to host. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so such a pleasure. Good. Yes, such a pleasure indeed. Okay. So, um, I mean, thank you so much. I think you are an accomplished individual in your own right. Thank mashallah. You. Thank you. You have done so much. Um, and But, you know, a lot of what you do, people know, of course, you are... You run your own business. Um, you are in the education industry. Uh, whatever you do to build the company is also something that indirectly is impacting the society because you are uh, ensuring that the young children today are well-equipped right, with the right skills for them to succeed, for them to become um, contributive members of society in the future. So you're playing a very important role Um, role in that sense but I also believe that you are doing a lot of other stuff mm-hmm. that um, comes with a very clear objective of trying to empower those who need support mm-hmm. those who are too scared to go out there and talk about their issues and their challenges and their setback and I think a lot of people are held back by their fear mm. um, but you have an, a very interesting story mm. maybe some people know it but I guess most of our listeners don't have a clue yet and um, I would like to invite you to to share a little bit about you know what has um, what's something that you've gone through so far that has um, taught you one of the biggest lessons and what changed your life And when did that happen? Um, I think basically the journey would have to start from the time I decided to uh, file for divorce. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that was life-changing for me. Mm. Um, this was about 17 years ago. My son is 18 now. Mm. So I made that decision to pull the plug about 17 years ago. So he was about... Uh, one no he was about 10 months when I filed mm. and then uh, with the entire divorce process blah 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 by the time it was finalized I think my son was a toddler walking age two, two years old about mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. yeah so that was life changing because um, at that point in time I was like in my late 20s 28 maybe Um, and I didn't know how to do it, um, mm. how strong I would be. Mm. Uh, I was grappling with all the problems happening at the same time. You know how problems come, right? When they do, when they come, it's like they come one after another, yeah. like, yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, and yes. you know, like it's like pearl pearl coming down the string. Mm. You know, there's no there's no stopping. So that was uh, a very tough. A time in my life where I had to make a solid decision uh, based on many, many factors, but at the same time bearing in mind uh, that life has to go on mm. and uh, how do I minimize the impact to all the other people around me, mm. people who I was working with, yeah. people, my family, people I was close to. Um, yeah, that was tough. There was a lot yeah. for you to think about at that age. Yeah, yeah, and at that age. And how only not, just giving birth. Yeah, that and also the persona that I was at that time. Mm, I true. wasn't as famous. 
experienced as I am now. Mm-hmm. I wasn't as established as I am now. But you were a familiar face. Though. I was a familiar face. Mm-hmm. And I was a fami- familiar face at that time for already more than two decades. Mm-hmm. Right? So I was the, that child star that people look up to. I was like kue kule kule lah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, the good old must have menu in your, <laughs> in your jemputan yeah, yeah. menu, right? So, yeah, so I was that. So people tend to have an attachment to that persona, you know, and you when you grow up as a child star, people think you you live a fairy tale life, mm-hmm. you know, because they see you from when you were so young, and then they the, see the, your progression, the innocence, you know, they see you growing up, you know, they were probably your your you were probably their their childhood crush, you know, things like yeah. that. So mm-hmm. so there was that that eyeball uh, mm. at that time, and that was hard to maneuver. But I had to make a decision, and the decision was made at that time because uh, I felt that it was best for me to part at the time when my son was uh, at the subconscious mind. <laughs> he yeah. was he was 10 months. So, you know, if you do like Montessori theory and all that, the subconscious mind. So, uh, I don't think he would have any recollection mm-hmm. of the divorce. It was also to spare him the pain mm-hmm. of having to go through the drama of a divorce. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, people say, oh, nak cerai, bila-bila pun boleh. You know, mm-hmm. if you go with the community's perception no, or community's pendapat, you want to cerai, you want to go for divorce, or anytime also boleh. But when is the right time to divorce? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of women ask them this question. They ask themselves this question. True. You know, that's why you have that that tugging feeling. You want to leave this man, but you don't know when. Some mm-hmm. people tell me, oh, I will leave him eventually. When is eventually? Yeah. Is there an expiry date <laughs> to eventually? So, I had to, to come to terms with that and say that the time is actually now mm-hmm. where I can I can save my child from much more pain but the challenge was the pain would have to come directly onto me mm. yeah so that that part was tough because when you try when your anna is is still small um, the challenge is uh, the stereotype is the the biggest challenge lah. if your mm. anna is slightly bigger I think the kid can understand if mm. I were to divorce when Nadim is like now teen, teenage, teenager he would understand he would see it from a more mature perspective but at that time it, the issue was quite pressing so I couldn't as a new mom or as a seasoned mom preparing for motherhood is such a beautiful thing however Sometimes when it comes to planning for your child's financial needs, it can be pretty stressful. The thing is, it may not be a stressful situation if you plan and take action early. At MFA Group, they offer a wide suite of bundle plans catered to your needs and your child's needs, from a savings plans for your child's education to personal accident plans that cover illnesses such as dengue fever, hand, foot and mouth disease, and any injury that kids are prone to, and even protection for expecting moms. So, to make sure that you and your family are better protected, don't wait any further. Schedule a free session with the MFA Group team at www www.mfeg.sg backslash home or visit the social media platforms at mfegsg so mm. so the impact on me emotionally was 120% wow yeah you had to carry more I had to carry more because I had to shelter a baby and then at the same time I had to deal with all these other cases around me so the mm. impact was on me directly 120% and I was just out of uh, childbirth you know it was a te- mm. 10 months after giving birth mm. yeah. uh, but it was amazing that I never went into postnatal blues wow. that was a miracle amazing yeah until today I feel that that was God's greatest gift for me True. that was a miracle because I could really 
chart my life uh, properly and all that. Yes, I was hurt. Yes, I went through a lot of drama, but I did not lose my mental health and my mental capacity to mm. actually sit and plan my life mm. ahead after that. Yeah. That's very important. Yeah, mm. and making making that decision of divorce, like what were the thoughts that were going through your head? I'm sure, like you know, as a woman going through transitioning mm. into that um, different status from mm. being married to now divorcee, mm. um, what were the fears that were going through your head? Okay, uh, very real fears. <laughs> First and foremost, when I got married, I also made <clears throat> the decision to actually. Uh, leave my job. I was in corporate sector for about four years. Mm. So when I got married, I thought, hey, this is the best time for me to actually leave the corporate sector and to venture into the more creative side of me. I have always been a creative person. Mm. But as we know in Singapore, to survive as a creative person was almost impossible. We were, we were talking about 1998, you know. Mm. <laughs> 1998, <laughs> you know. No. Yeah. So, and, and being a graduate female from NUS and all that, the pressure was always to like look for a job properly. Yeah. Use job. your Yeah, stable use your job. degree, yeah. stable job and all that, right? And it doesn't help, you know, with the elitism around you, mm. with, with people having uh, a degree and all that. So that was the natural route. So I went to corporate world for four years. But after that, when I got married, I said, maybe I should look for something else and, and discover and explore my other talent. Because I have been with television since I was a toddler myself. I started mm-hmm. TV at two, mm. television and radio. And I've never stopped. That has always been my part-time job. The longest part-time job I ever. In fact, <laughs> in fact it lasted until today. You see yeah. how, you know, how Allah protected my risky right until yeah. today so I said um, that part it has always been part time but maybe that part can grow mm. so I said in order for that part to grow corporate world has to go mm. so I made the decision I said okay I'm going to leave but I'm going to start there so this this whole structure the blueprint of how I started my education business started then but the marriage was going the other direction mm. I was seeing things that I did not see prior to the marriage mm. because as with any marriage you only get to know the person really really get to know the person yeah, when you're true. married when you're in it yeah. when you're in it when yeah. you're not in it when you're dating and all that how much of that man can you know right mm. you want a gado so after that oh bye bye it's already 9.30 yeah. I need to go home <laughs> true, true. you cannot carry your gado until 12 o'clock or so yeah. right so so that was that's, that's um, what I tell a lot of young couples nowadays right. so now because uh, we love for info now before couples get married they mm. need to be interviewed by their solemnizer so mm. I, I interview them right. and I always like to ask them so how long have you known each other they say 10 years some since mm. secondary school some mm. 3 years and I ask them how much do you think you know each other mm. then they'll say like from a scale of 1 to 10 they say 8, 9 mm. it's like are you sure we've <laughs> 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 not lived with each other yet we've not shared the burden of story. Sh- yeah. Yeah. sharing a house together yeah. paying the bills together raising right. a child together there's so many things yes. yeah. so yeah, yeah that's, that's a very good point yes. to raise. Mm. so you really don't know the person and that is also the reason why I will always tell women never blame yourself for a divorce mm. or for leaving a person because you will never know the person until you are married. Mm. So, yeah, so when I got married and then, you know, I had, I had the shock of my life that there was this other persona. Mm. <laughs> there was this other persona that came with this other set of problems. But mm. the, the one thing that I had to do at that time was uh, it, it was not possible for me to live in the marriage. It was not because my case was a, was a very unique case. It was a, a case of addiction sub- mm. substance addiction but not mm. drugs mm. but uh, oh no not substance addiction just addiction but mm. not drugs mm. uh, so I had to make a decision because people around me were saying that Rila this is not about uh, you know this, this is not about personality differences this mm-hmm. is not about you mass up today and people get angry because you don't mass up tomorrow it's not about that this it's is a lot more serious it's something it is deeper. very serious it's yeah. deeper it's got financial implications mm. it's got safety 
T implication, which mm. was the thing that was uh, was suddenly blown into my face. You know, the mm. safety yeah. the safety consideration. So with all this instability, no choice lah. Have to make the decision. So, but um, it was sakit because you know when 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 um. How long were you married, by the way? Not even two years lah. Maybe two years lah. Okay. I will put it two years lah. Mm. Yeah, but I first asked for my divorce uh, like five months into the divorce actually, you know. Into the marriage. In, I mean, in, into the marriage, sorry. I actually asked for a divorce five months into the marriage. Um, wasn't granted. That means I, I asked for a verbal divorce. It wasn't granted. And then um, he said he was going to improve and, you know, he was going to change everything. So I said, okay, being human, we all say, okay, you know, yeah. let's try. All right, so let's try. He improved, like I think maybe four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> he improved four weeks. So, uh, but that uh, made me reconsider my decision. So I said, okay, sail through, sail through, sail through. Like after nine months after that, I said, I want my, I want a divorce. Second time. Second time verbal divorce, not granted. Mm-hmm. So, by the time, um, uh, and, then, and then I got pregnant. Yeah, and then I got pregnant and I think, okay, maybe the child might save the marriage. Every mm. woman this, will go this through this. This is a very common thing. Yeah. Like women Every, having kids, mm. things Everyone will, change. will go will through change, this, including yeah. me, mm. including me. So, Rila Melati made that mistake of believing that the child would actually change the marriage. But at the same time, I also wanted the child because I wasn't seeing anything going with this marriage. I said, if I'm going to leave now, I'm going to go out with Kosong. I'm not mm. going to take anything <laughs> with me. I might as well have a child in this marriage because simply because I don't know when I'm going to have another child mm. how life is going to go ahead and I may have a kid next time I may not have a kid mm. so I said would you even remarry things like uh, that? or would I even remarry so I said no I need to have a child in this marriage so mm. I went along with that thought also mm-hmm. you know so okay so when I was pregnant I asked for a divorce again so I think I can't count, count maybe about five times like, I asked for a verbal divorce but none of it was granted so eventually when uh, the matter came to light and my son was already like about nine months or so, ten months. I did not ask anymore. I, I straight away went to uh, Sharia court you and filed. I actually filed. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So because I, I felt that ample warning was already given. True. Yeah. It's very good advice. Okay. Yeah. So you had to deal with uh, letting go of marriage, the idea of something that you thought would last. You let go of that. But at the same time, not long after, you were also leaving something else, your corporate job. Mm. So in a short span of time, you had to let go of two things. Mm. Must have been The fear scary. was real. Yeah. Yeah, the fear was real. Okay, the biggest fear was, at that time, uh, I don't know, if you ask me the same question mm. at the age of 28 when I broke out of the marriage, uh, I wouldn't know how to answer you. you know? mm. Because I cannot recognize that fear. Mm. I don't know what it is. I cannot see it because I was in it. Mm. So I cannot yeah. see. So now when you ask me, I can answer that question. Mm. Looking at my life from the eyes of a 47-year-old woman now, mm. I can answer that question. Mm. Mm. And that fear is the fear of being independent. Mm. The fear of being independent. Of, you see, uh, when, you, when you first want to get married, you come from a unit of family where, you know, father, mother, all happy. And I was really well taken care of by my parents. Mm-hmm. Upper middle class, no need to worry about money. The only daughter, I only have one younger brother and he's like way younger. He's like seven, eight years younger than me. So I had my own room. I had my own bed. I was doing television since I was two. I bought all my toys with my own money. Wow. I was complete. You know? It's pretty smooth sailing for you. Very. I was complete. <laughs> everything. And I did not pick the wrong man because I picked him in school. I did not pick him in a club. Mm. I picked him in, in, in NUS. We were students, yeah. you know. So I, I didn't I didn't make any mistake. The way I see it, I didn't make any mistake. So it wasn't fearful to go into the marriage. There was no fear. So I made that decision to go into marriage. So from Bapa, the responsibility of having a father now goes to the husband, right? Yeah. So that was when the crack happened, right? So from being well taken care of to one that couldn't take care of me to eventually going back to my father again, but after that 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 
structure has been broken. Yeah. That fear was real. Mm. That fear of not being taken care of and then having to go back to your father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then now, you know, re-establishing everything, that fear was was real. That independent, that transition to becoming independent. Mm. I had independence for a while and then after that, then come back again. Mm. <laughs> you know, so that that was scary. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, I've, spoken to a couple of um, single moms mm. lately because I'm, I was reaching out to small businesses, mm. people doing mm. stuff at home, trying to earn a living, trying to put food on the table uh, because they also recently just came out from a divorce as well. Mm. Um, how did you ensure that the venture that you were going to take on was going to be something that was not going to risk you or your mm. child's well-being mm. in the long run. What, what do you do? What was the thought process? The most pragmatic thing uh, post-divorce that I should have done was to actually find myself a proper job because I'm a graduate. <laughs> okay. I should have just gone back to board. I should have, you know, gone back MOE. Iron Rice Bowl. Yeah, Iron Rice Bowl, be a teacher. I would have been a principal by now. And that's the most <laughs> pragmatic thing for me to do. But I was at the brink of starting that business and business was was uh, seeding, you know, mm. yeah. seeding and then it was growing it was quite pretty at that time the, the business and all that so I told myself hey you know already one dream down the drain which is the marriage yeah. I'm not going to let another dream down the drain because then that's double failure of a dream for me mm. so I steadfastly held on to the dream of this whole journey of establishing that educational company you know, and, and seeing it grow so but at the same time I told myself it's not going to endanger me tidak memudaratkan you want to pursue something but not to the detriment of everything else mm. so, so it's I, calculated risk. Yes, calculated risk. So I told myself, okay, I have a degree. So should something happen to the business, right? I'm going to fall back on the degree. Lah. Mm. You know, let's be honest and let's be practical. So with that in mind, then I went in. But at the same time, I was also practical about the fact that as a single mother, I cannot be putting everything that I own or that I have into the business. And that means money. Mm. Every yeah. business needs a capital, right? You cannot go into a business with zero capital. Mm. Even electricity bill also you have to pay is capital, mm. right? Your, your input. So, uh, how am I going to go into this business with the least amount of money? So, my thought was there's two ways. One is to use my talent to get the money, which is government grants. And to in order to get government grants means you have to put your talent of writing good proposals, mm. which is actually a technique. It's not yeah. easy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> because if it was easy, everybody would have been on the bandwagon. Kan? <laughs> but it's not easy. But because I came from corporate sector, so I know like roughly the language, how you want to you know, convince yeah. Yeah, the government to part with their money to give to you. <laughs> so that was that. So there were two, there was two things that was on my mind. One is to lessen my capital. One, I go for government grants. Second is to put in cash but the most minimum amount of cash. And my principle at that time, my, my guiding principle was no matter what happened, I cannot borrow money from the bank mm-hmm. to finance this company that I'm going to start. Mm-hmm. That was the principle that I was hanging on to. I cannot take any kind of corporate loan or Although corporate loan, flyer and brochure was coming to me yeah, from all over, you know, you name it. It was like all the packages, right? When mm. you sign up for a bank, uh, when you sign up to open a company, all the banks will come yeah. to you. Yeah. But I didn't do, do that. So what I did was I I put in $4,000 on my own money. And then I got my partner. At that time, my partner was a non-Malay lady. She's this, uh, she was an ex-colleague. So she put in another $4,000. So with $8,000, we started the business. So we started buying all the things, the file, the blah, 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 the materials. And we functioned from my 
uh, house bedroom mm. from my bedroom mm-hmm. uh, and then the the idea of going for government grant and all that got halted because the business grew this this other side where I was using my so cash. you were busy running it I was busy yeah. running it uh, we were going to schools and I was doing co-calling so it, it actually grew so my uh, my my idea of using the government grant I shelved it one side because I was so busy developing this one mm. and we were come, uh, developing it from, from my bedroom but then the divorce happened so I had to look for an alternative space so we mm-hmm. actually moved out and actually looked for an alternative space because it was not possible to be going through a divorce and having my partner come over to True. the house mm. and do and that is also where I learned that it's actually a myth uh, that you can actually function from home to mm. do a business at that time because mm. a lot of women think they can have home business running blah 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 can look after a kid and then run a business it yeah. was a complete myth <laughs> for me it couldn't it did not uh, happen that way at all because you needed different brains to manage different things you True. know so as the, the as I was doing my work I said hey, this is just a dream uh, this is so ideal uh, you think you can actually cannot you know mm. there's no way you can do that and in Singapore with the kind of demand for efficiency lagi you cannot <laughs> yeah you can't I couldn't grapple and at that time I even had a maid you know I paid for a maid with my savings from my corporate job days right I could even put myself have myself an assistant but even that didn't work you know mm. so it really cannot function from home if you mm. are starting out something yeah so that was a good lesson on entrepreneurship okay. Yes. So at that time, um, I was still seeing myself as an educator. I never saw myself as an entrepreneur. Mm. Never. I was as just doing it first. As, as an educator. And I was doing it because I wanted to change the language landscape mm. at that time. Because when you are a new mother, you realise that, A, actually children need more content than this. Yeah. They were not exposed to many material. My father was a teacher mm-hmm. with uh, MOE for the longest time, 42 years. And when I was young, he used to write books and he published it with, you know, Pan Pacific, Heinemann, those old mm. uh, names lah, last time old school yeah? and uh, I had my own material because my father was was doing it and he was also the author of many uh, Malay language textbooks mm. that I would proudly bring to school and show you know like yeah. oh, this assessment book was done by my dad and all that and then after that when I became a mother there was nothing in, mm. in the bookshelves out there mm-hmm. and then when I could it again I found my father's books <laughs> found my father's books so I said hey, this there is not right there was nothing current there was nothing current I said hey, this is not right I could cheat I use his books now my son is here and I'm still using this his books I said cannot cannot so that was when I took it upon myself that I needed to do something f- uh, for my child yeah. and something for other kids out there yep. and I somehow or other I kind of like picked up his skills my father's bookmaking skills and that was how I started out uh, doing my first few books so that was how I became a children's book author you know wow yeah because I wanted uh, our own material and um uh, this process took a long time because when I was with my first company, which was the very first one that I started, Acrobats, with my f- previous normally partner, uh, this project couldn't take off because we were like servicing schools and all that. We, mm-hmm. we had no time. But from that process, I was also learning what kind of material schools actually need because I really had hands-on uh, experience on really using the kind of material that at that time children required, children needed, teachers were looking out mm. for what kind of material. Yeah. So it was only after that parting because I eventually closed that first company and then with my second partnership with Najib Ali, that was when this whole idea got resurrected mm. because I said, Najib, I want to write storybooks because I think Malay kids know Malay storybooks mm-hmm. and it's not possible because now 35 years already mm-hmm. and it so happened the NEC in 2005 started a reading campaign uh, read local books 
you read local books, local campaign, but there's no Malay local <laughs> books. <laughs> yeah. And it was all books in the past. Yeah. So I said, hey, we have come to a situation in which there is a campaign, but there's no barang mm. for the children so to use. So campaign usually means there's also a grant at that time? Uh, there was a grant, but at that time, the grant was only for uh, English language authors. Oh. So authors who wanted to write in the vernacular language in yeah. Singapore, there was no available mm. grant. The, the, the grant at that time, the book publishing grant was only for English uh, books. Yeah. So, so how I got around the situation then, oh, because I partnered with Najib, right? Najib's expertise was with television and all that. Mm. So he had, um, he he is very he was very familiar with uh, the grants that was given by MDA. Mm-hmm. So that was how I got my first book out. You know, it was mm. a grant from MDA, Media Develop- Development Authority. So it was only after that book came out, then I could use that book, and then I started looking for other grants. And by then, the the push came uh, for National Arts Council to actually expand their grant and give it to uh, vernacular language authors as well. Mm. So, and then it grew from there and then all the other grants. So, my dream of tapping onto government grant actually became a reality lah. Mm. Mm. Right? At first, I shelved it, right? With the first partnership. But it became a reality with the second partnership. So, it got re- resurrected. So, by the time I met Najib, um, uh, the same uh, business principle that means I don't want to put in uh, more capital than I could manage uh, I came bringing my database of schools and my experience and my expertise and then Najib's side was the media side and that became a good combination and that was how Mini Monsters started yeah it's a nice synergy yeah wow and then after that five years after that collaboration that partnership I had to part ways again <laughs> I had to part ways again because the growth was then different because um, industry was changing yeah. the media industry was affected when yep. social media suddenly you know came Boom. sprouting mm. right so yeah. so uh, that came about and then uh, education was also changing in some way so another parting happened so what, what predicament do you find yourself in this so time? for the very first time I became partnerless f- uh in my entrepreneurship journey, can you see the, oh, wow. <laughs> the mirror? <laughs> First was the divorce, yeah. no partner. After that, I went solo, right? No husband. Then after that, uh, business partner, one parted ways. Yeah. Second one, also parted ways. So, I think my life is like I'm supposed to be just independent and running things it's, on my it's own. It's a calling, man. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> so for the first time, I found myself partnerless again. But do you, think, partner. do you think that the, the marriage, the divorce mm. and the two partnerships mm. all helped you to mature so prepare, preparing you to yeah. be the, the yeah. main person making decisions yeah yeah, mm. yeah definitely definitely but uh, during this course of time I was also given a b- groundbreaking talk show to host mm. on television which mm. is Rudy and Rilla oh yeah that's oh, awesome. yes. Yes. I remember watching that right? that was groundbreaking which went on for six seasons which went on for six years on television so everything was picking up for me actually yeah. uh, so the book site got got uh, got uh, expanded you know I was writing more books I was going to schools business got a little bit more uh, solidified and then on the television front I was fronting this fantastic show with a lawyer mm. my partner was a lawyer and we were talking about things like divorce and everything I yeah. could put my real life experiences sure. into the talk mm. show and that made it unique and that also became a turning point in many ways for me because I said hey if things are not right God wouldn't put me where I am mm-hmm. today to be doing all this it's like it's more purposeful too yes yeah. yes. because it, could, it goes back to what happened yes. to you yes correct and yeah. it is Ibadah in that form I was yeah. meant to do True. it in 
in in mm. in the form that I know was best. It, was it an idea that you pitched, or did it come from someone uh, else? I was how, talking how to the senior producers and uh, and all that, and I was voicing out this suggestion. But at the same time, it also touched us because Rudy was one of my guests in mm. a separate show called Juice. At that time, it was mm. running on Sunday morning live in mm. uh, on Surya, uh, and he was very chatty. And we, we only had like <laughs> few, always, yeah. fifteen minutes, you know, fifteen minutes of guest time. But That's the, the chemistry <laughs> was like woo. And then I said, and then I said, this man should be should be on this uh, program every week, <laughs> you know. And then I kind of like I say, hey, maybe we have him live. Maybe he can talk, you know. He's, he makes such a good guest. So everything snowballed, and it became the Rudy and Rila that you, you know it. Yeah. Uh, it was also very nice of the network to actually name the program after us, yeah. Rudy and Rila. So um, that was nice, but that was groundbreaking because. For the very first time, I saw myself uh, giving back in a way that I've always wanted to give back. I wanted to give back to the community because essentially, every manusia needs to give back to community, right? Mm. It's just how and which method you choose to. So in my case, I think God chose this way lah because that's the the form that I know best. I was a, a child star and everything. I was a, a child of media. So that was the platform and it, yeah, it, it went on for six I've years. Al- I've always believed and I, I teach in my classes too that one mm. of the ways to heal is to actually to find ways to give back to give back yeah and yeah. I give back in two ways one mm. is through that television program mm-hmm. in which I helped uh, to voice out the concerns of many women mm-hmm. ma- many Malay women in Singapore uniquely Singapore problem and then uh, the other way of giving back was through the books lah, to the community by uh, increasing the number of Malay books giving quality Malay books and all that so it was a period of just giving 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 post-divorce and mm. that and mm. that was that whole process of uh, you know that life-changing thing for me and mm. today I am seeing the fruits of my labor. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> yeah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, yeah. And that's when we come in, right? Yes. Good timing, huh? Yeah. Good yeah timing. Very good timing. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And okay. it, it's also very, how to say, uh, it's also surreal, you know. Sometimes I feel like every time when I'm faced with disappointment, right, at the point where life is just so disappointing, uh, it brings mm. you like really down. That is also, I, I realize that instead of hanging on to the hands of a man, I actually hang on to the hands of God, you know. Mm. Because every time, it's not that there is no, uh, eligible men out there it's not that I've never gone through uh, breakups in, in relationships post-divorce I did many times mm. and many times when the offer of marriage come and all that uh, somehow I will always reject it mm. somehow the the whole feeling and it just doesn't bring me there yeah. and and every time when that happens uh, instead of looking to a man to make my life happier and better and giving me a brighter future I will I will reject that and I will go on to creating things on my own and Mm -hmm. then uh, seeking God's help. (laughs) Mm. Uh, You you also mentioned just now, before we started the recording, that you had this interesting cycle where every five years when there was a breakup in partnership or anything yes uh, I would end up yeah I would end up doing my umrah <laughs> yeah because I don't plan when which year to mm. go so yeah. it always happened coincidentally uh, every five years and that every planned. five years is also when all the drama will happen you know mm-hmm. at the turning point and then somehow I will get to go mm. as as miraculous as that and I w- I can tell you like even last year uh, last year was also quite quite a challenging tough time for me because of the transition in all the things that was happening and my son is going to finish uh, schooling you know he was already mm. 17, 18 so IB year ending final so I had to make a lot of major decisions and then out of the blue my friend called me a producer and said uh, Cik Rila we're going to take you uh, travelling you know for this telemovie for Harai Haji I said oh where? 
uh, he said, oh, we're bringing you to Mekah. Wow. wow. Yeah. Nice. And just two weeks before that, in mm. my in my sleep, in my prayer, I said, I really need to go lah and and talk to God and have my my appointment with him again because like this year has been so overwhelming. And mm. I just said that, no. And then I said, but I don't know when I can go, whether I should bring Nadim along with me. Should I wait until he finishes IB exams? But, you know, just guide me and give me something lah. And, and then I slept. And in two weeks, your <laughs> prayers were answered. And in two weeks, Whoa. my prayer was answered. <laughs> <laughs> How coincidental can it be? So it has happened to me. Plan. Yeah, but it has happened to me. And this thing is pattern three times over, mm. and I've been to his home three times over, and it's the same time. It's always five years in my mm. life. Every five years it happens. So I'm pretty excited to see what the next five years is going to be like. <laughs> <laughs> Exciting! I'm okay. sure I will make that trip again. I somehow Shall know. Well. It. Yeah, I somehow know it. It always happens every five okay, years. Nora, you you you're going to join here, okay, for yeah. her next trip? Yeah, you can bring me along. <laughs> um, how do you? I mean, you you spoke about the pain at 28, 29 post divorce, mm. but you didn't really share. Was was there any? Were there any other moments where you felt pain? Since then, and how did you deal with them? Because I think some uh, women who go, who are going through it, even though they were divorced five years ago, mm. some are still struggling to move on. What is yeah, your tip and advice? I think in Singapore, there's just so many distractions. We need to also put things in perspective that being divorced is one thing. Being divorced as a single mother in the world's most expensive city mm. yeah. is another thing. Are you saying they shouldn't waste time? Because you see, yeah, past, you see, yeah, if I am a divorcee in any other country in Southeast Asia, mm. I have the option of a hinterland, you know. <laughs> I don't make it in the city. I can balik kampung. I can start all over again. Mm. I can live with my mother on a, on, a, on a different salary and then see my life growing. Do you have that in Singapore? I fail today. If if supposedly mini monsters fail today, mm. I cannot open a Ramli Burger stall <laughs> at the junction of the road and open something. Even you know. rent is crazily so high. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Singapore doesn't give you that uh, option because we are highly urbanized. In fact, we are fully urbanized yep. already. Mm-hmm. You look left and right. You, there is no way that okay, let's say a, a single mom. You give a single mom kasihan gender divorcee. You give a hundred dollars, right? What can she spend with that hundred dollars? If in any other parts of Southeast Asia, that hundred dollars can be broken up into many things. You know, yeah. yeah, you can do many things with that hundred dollars mm-hmm. because you have the option of going to buy your grocery kedai runcit or supermarket. Mm. Yeah, you you see Singapore whether you have that option. Yeah. Or you could buy ingredients to sell it for Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you see, Singapore, do you have that option? Mm, tough. Everything yeah? is so controlled. Everything is controlled. And if you buy milk powder in in one particular supermarket, it will be that same price in mm. another in another place, in another shop. Even you know? mama shop also. If, yes, you know? it is the same price. <laughs> because yeah. we don't have hinterland. We don't have yeah. pasar borong. We don't have... You know, we have uh, places where you can buy things in bulk, but it's not pasar borong kind of borong, right? Yeah. We know that for a fact. So, yeah. So, that is the real challenge because Singapore is highly urbanized. It is about gathering strength and putting a different kind of survival kit, a survival mm-hmm. formula. It's like jungle survival in other countries but us is like <laughs> concrete jungle <laughs> survival. Concrete jungle, yeah. concrete jungle survival, <laughs> yeah. you know. And mind you, like, uh, mind like you. Like uh, Alicia Key song or something. And mind you, <laughs> yeah, women, women don't go through national service. Mm. So yeah. our survival instinct is not as sharp as men. <laughs> That's not true though. I you mean, know? you guys are good in other areas. <laughs> we don't go through National service, we, we have to learn it the hard way. We are not taught. We have to maneuver it a, a hard way. Yeah, so that's real. So how I managed to go around is um, to pack myself, my self development, 
as close as possible to how Singapore is progressing. Meaning, ukur baju di badan sendiri. You know, uh, be aware of what you are able to do. For example, I never wanted my company to be very big because I cannot manage a big company. So today, my goal is have a small company, have just one kid. I only have one kid, right, Nadim? Uh, one car, small car, doesn't matter. Uh, one house, which is a HDB house. All, all Singaporeans know HDB. <laughs> yeah, I don't stay landed. It's not a private property. HDB house, small house. So everything small. Everything in my life exists Practical. small. Mm. But it is small but complete. Mm. Small mm. but definite happiness. So that's my survival formula for being a single mother. It's very good advice. Yeah, mm. Having everything in small size but manageable. Mm. And if you look at it, is Singapore big? No, right? No. Singapore is small. But is the pencapaian small? No, right? It's big, right? Mm-hmm. Singapore. So, I mirror that. I mirror that. If cool. Singapore can be small but successful, mm-hmm. so can I. And I want that formula. I want to be small but successful. I like that. So, you create the success in other ways that you are good at. But mm-hmm. you manage the things yang, yang stressful mm-hmm. in the smallest way possible. So, like mortgage, house mortgage. Stressful, right? Every yep. month you have to manage, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, why do you have to compete yourself with other people who are complete, who has a husband? Definitely, husband and wife combine income more than what a single mm. mother's income is what. Mm. So you cannot pack your achievement to that. Let's say husband, wife combined together can live in a five-room flat. A divorcee cannot love five-room flat. A, mm. a divorcee would have to go to a smaller flat. Mm. So things like that. True though. So you cannot pack yourself That's... to a complete unit of family. Like for example, I give you another chunto, uh, Nadim schooling, right? When I wanted to put him in primary one, I love SGI, St. Joseph, uh, uh, Joseph Junior. Mm. SGI Junior in Novena. I'm saying in Yishun, no. So my father say you don't brangan because <laughs> you don't have a husband. Husband cannot send you here, 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 and then pick up kid at the same time. So you don't brangan. And my mother also have no license. My mother cannot drive. So my father was saying that if I made that decision, the the problem will come back to him to manage me and manage my child, right? Mm-hmm. So he says no. You need to put your kid in an area logistically that you can manage. Mm-hmm. So I end up putting Nadim in a school that is just one kilometer away. In fact, maybe. If 600 meters away lah from my house. Were you disappointed? Which is a neighborhood school which mm. turned out to be the best decision ever. Mm. Because in that school, I could send him very comfortably. He could wake up later. He doesn't have to wake up so early. No need to take school bus. Can walk. I can teach my mother which gate to pick up. Should I not be able to go, my mother can walk. It was so easy to manage, you know. And mm. in being able to manage that well, I gain in other things. So Nadim CCA not disrupted. Academic not disrupted. Parent-teacher meeting, I can go. I I never punting. So you see, the, the coping mechanism was in place wow. because the logistics was something that I could manage. Yeah, sometimes that's the hikmah, you know. The wisdom behind not getting what you initially wanted is that sometimes you gain other things. Yeah. And making things. and making the pragmatic decision yeah. of knowing with full awareness that that is not a bad thing after all. Mm. Because mm. some people feel that, oh, tak dapat sekolah, so I'm compromising. It is actually not a compromise. Mm. So that awareness has to come from a single mother. She needs to see that that is the best for her within what she can uh, achieve and what she can control. At any rate, right, when I travel out 
outside and when you say you tell people you come from Singapore people already know that it is you know you must be somebody who can manage stress <laughs> to be able to live in in, in the world's that, uh. most expensive city right so already the accolade is given to you so why are we putting extra pressure on ourselves to be competing unnecessarily here when people the world over globally already give you the accolade you come from Singapore wow so good yeah that you, happens yeah, all the time yeah, yeah you know you have this you have that well very good how mm. do you how do you manage uh, to stay in Singapore because many people in this region that I have met wants to come here to mm. live wants to come here to work wants to come here to study mm. so you are already given the accolade so I think being a single mother especially mums who are like functioning from home selling things and all that yeah. uh, uh, never peg yourself to the achievements of other people because mm. within that small niche that you can control you if you focus your energy on that uh, your, achi- your achievement will actually be much bigger true mm. because yeah. if, if you start wanting um, something bigger unnecessarily mm. you're going to start worrying mm. and worrying usually paralyzes you that's and true then, yeah. that's true and people have also come up to me and say but Cik Rila you celebrity of course senang for you you know oh, man. you high net individual <laughs> how do you feel when people say that yeah, people say you high net individual that's why you can be giving advice because things doors would have opened easily for mm. you and I always tell my and I always tell people this look the simplest way to put it uh, across to, to so that people can understand is, is this you know when you become a single mother a lot of single mother end up having part time jobs right or doing part time things to add to their income right yeah. and mostly will go into selling things and mostly will be macam jual kuih or something usually lah Malay women will go into you know baking cakes baking something from home and then you nowadays it's easy because you have Instagram last time you really have to go door to door and yeah. do your selling yeah. and everything and other ways of marketing and I always tell them okay now you look at Rila Melati yeah? she has her mini monsters or whatever company that she has which is her day job during the daytime but at night what does she do she does Rudy and Rila she does a talk show on the side she does events she goes to all other events to do either hosting or something but mm. usually normally hosting from time to time I act in, mm. in series or in special dramas eh? those are my queer selling lah. Mm. you sell queer I sell this talent the form is different but the essentially it's different. the same the structure is the same mm. I am also a single mother that has to supplement myself through all other Means, part-time yeah. income it is the same but it's just that your talent is in baking Rila Melati cannot bake for nuts I will burn <laughs> I will burn the kitchen down so you know so this is my this so this is my expertise this is where I chariot my risky uh, you yeah. know in, in terms of my my part-time job and all that but it's the same so actually essentially it's the same problem and it's also the same way of, of living it's just that the perception you look at me because I front a TV persona you yeah. might think that it's like this but actually manusia sama-sama kehidupan manusia sama-sama because the community that you exist with in Singapore would demand you to to go through the same challenges mm. yeah yeah cool beautiful so Nadim, your son is now he's 19? 18, 18. Uh, going 19 mm-hmm. he's in army now mm-hmm. uh, waiting to get into university okay. so he did quite well for IB so we are hoping to get a scholarship so that's also another thing uh, Nadim was taught from very young that at some point he needs to be self-sufficient in that way that means mm-hmm. you need to if you want to pursue your dream then you need to find a way to manage that dream and mm. one of it is to go for a scholarship then you are responsible for that dream what is he passionate in? Uh, I'm, what is he like? He, I'm, 
I w- I have been talking to him and I think he would want to go into something that's creative. Yeah, but I don't know what. I don't know what he was. Uh, he was very keen on architecture. He's also keen in some kind of design stuff. Nice. So I'm giving him the opportunity to explore. But right now, I think the most important thing is we are looking at what are the available scholarships. So his decision making will probably <laughs> be decided on the kind of scholar- scholarship that would be available for him. Yeah. Okay, and how old is Mini Monster? Ten. Ten. We are into our eleventh year in twenty twenty. So we same as ce- my company. Yeah. Safina, so, so we celebrated our tenth <laughs> anniversary last year, uh, where we launched a digital portal for children, yeah. uh, bilingual Malay English, and then uh, this year will be our eleventh year. Would you like to share very quickly, like, what is that digital thing about? Uh, uh, okay, Mini Monsters is actually uh, an educational company mm-hmm. that uh, promotes language learning. So we go to schools all over Singapore, mm-hmm. where we take our materials and we teach kids to read as well as Malay speech and drama. So because mm-hmm. the need right now is for bilingualism and promotion of mother tongue. So that's mm-hmm. what we are good at. But that doesn't mean that we don't do English programs. We do, but in terms of the volume, I think we, we are more on the Malay market. Uh, but the digital portal um, is something that we thought we should be doing because of the smart nation movement mm-hmm. in Singapore. You know, yep. And then starting from this year, also all primary three are learning how to code and all that. So digitization, AI, this is the way to go. The natural progression. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. so so it's only timely. La. So the, the portal is called Monstars TV. Uh, there are five webisodes and the webisodes is actually based on Lagu Lagu Kanak Kanak, mm. originally composed by uh, composers in Singapore. We always assume assume that Melayu tak ada lagu kanak-kanak. But actually in Singapore, there are more than a hundred children uh, uh, Malay songs that was composed in the past. And these are not wow. folk, song, folk, folk songs. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people think children's songs are actually folk songs like Chan Malichan, mm. yeah. uh, Burung Kakak Tua. Actually not. Those are traditional tunes, uh, traditional folk songs. These are really lagu kanak-kanak that, uh, okay, maybe you, you would know like Buih Sabun, Anak Rusa Nani. Yeah, yeah things like that. Yes. True. So so we turn those into webisodes and then from the webisode you can take a look. You just have to go to so, minimonsters.com.sg. I will. I mean, I have small kids so yeah. I want them to, to get acquainted with the yes. yeah. mother tongue, mm. the language. <laughs> um, okay, so 2020 and beyond we'll be exploring and expanding more of that. Yeah, content-wise. Um, and yep. your son's next phase. Yes, everything is growing. Uh, yeah, except me. So, so I mean, the, that's my next question. Yeah, Hold I on. Know, so I, I want to ask. What's so, so what's so what's next for you yeah. at a personal level? What's I've next? been asked this question many times, even <laughs> on my recent radio show where I was a guest over two weeks, and both two weeks and both two DJs were asking me the same question, lah. Mm. So I do. I'm at a crossroad. Uh, this is actually a very interesting time for me. Uh, mm. I'm relooking certain decisions, certain options. But if you are asking about marriage, then I would say confidently that this would be the best time for me to think <laughs> of remarrying simply because I'm done with my child. Mm. Mm. Yeah, he is independent enough. Now the government is looking after him, Ami, right? Mm. So uh, that that parenting role has been taken over now. So I think... Um, okay, yeah. so to all our male listeners who are single <laughs> in their 40s, um, just take note, okay? You so there's more time for the brain to think, you know. True. and yeah, for, More time for yourself For too. myself too. And I think to be fair, uh, I have put every Everything in its place already, even mm. in terms of the achievement from Mini, Mini Monster side, right? I've been able to put uh, my two staff on CPF so for the take, longest time. So you can take like one or two steps back and just m- be more of the observer. Yes, I can. You I can, can. I can do that. In delegate fact, delegate and yeah, delegate. Mm. In fact, the company is on autopilot. I can Good, be in any really part of the world, and it will still function. The 
programs will still be ongoing. Uh, So I am asking myself whether I should expand on what I'm currently doing and Mm -hmm. take Mini Monsters a level higher Mm -hmm. or alternatively, I can go into starting something else that actually can coexist with Mini Monsters or Hmm. or because we don't have to die being entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. I I can also make the decision of going back to a corporate job or to any other kind of thing that I want to do at this point in time. You have a lot of options. Yeah, you have options. Yes. Which is good. Or or the easiest option is to find a husband. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. So, you know what? To all listeners who are recently divorced... People always tell me, you can't do anything, you can't do anything. People always tell me that, no? Mm. I just want you to just, um, you know, listen to what Rila has said, has shared, her story, her ups and downs. Her her growth, uh, her business, raising her son on her own, all of those things, like, it's possible. I think that's... That's the takeaway that many uh, of our listeners perhaps need to focus on. Like, it's possible to survive, not just that, but to thrive even in whatever industry you put yourself in. Um, Don't allow one incident, one Mm. episode in your life to forever, you know, prevent you from living your dreams, uh, accomplishing your true purpose, because whatever that she did is actually full of purpose. And that's what I love about her. She knows what she was made for. (laughs) <laughs> and she has lived it and now it's uh, it's time for her to to grow on a personal level yeah, yeah. but recognize the pain first mm. recognize the pain don't deny it you know don't deny it. if you think that you are in the worst position you have to recognize it yes dalam banyak banyak orang kenapa lah aku pilih ini recognize the pain need to go through first. the motion yeah go mm. through the motion recognize the pain go through the sharia procedure whatever you have to do go through that mm. it is only when you have fully gone through that fully recognize the pain that you can put everything else in perspective and then recognize when other things come, right? Which are the distractions? Which are opportunities? And that's very important. Wow. Progress in high, yes, hindsight. Progress Brilliant. to perfection. <laughs> Not perfect imperfection, mm. but progress to perfection. Listen, all millennials, please listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, no. Thank you so much yeah, for, for being with us. Yeah. yeah. And yes. to sum it up, all, we have like the fire round question round. So this is where we actually ask our guests just five quick questions. Okay. The first thing that comes to your mind, a couple of words, a couple of sentences just let us know okay wow. <laughs> very difficult this is very difficult so don't, here don't we go <laughs> here we go um, first question describe yourself in three words fun loving kind okay great <laughs> <laughs> number two I hope the guys are taking notes <laughs> <laughs> name a book that positively shaped you Name a what, sorry? A book. Oh, a book. Name a book that positively shaped you. She has not read my book yet, so she can't answer. (laughs) I forgot the title, but I know the author, Elizabeth Gilbert. Oh, okay. What is it about? It was turned into a movie. Mm. Yeah, it was written by Elizabeth Gilbert, but I forgot. It was shot in Bali, so the movie. Oh, okay. Ypres Love. Ypres Love. Oh, Oh. nice. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Lovely. Okay, third question. The best gift you've received? My kid. Mm. Yeah, my son is my best gift. Lovely. Number four, what is your favourite hobby? Reading. Nice. Okay, and the fifth question. Which celebrity would you like to meet and what would you say to them? I would love to meet Angelina Jolie. Oh, 
And what did you and say to her? I want her to talk to me now that she's a single mother. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, and I want to tell her uh, my journey and uh, see the commonality and where we can learn from. Yeah, I, I see myself um, mirroring some of the causes that she likes to do. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, so she would be one celebrity that I, I dream of nice. meeting. Beautiful. Yeah. I would like to meet her too, but yeah. not important, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay, thank you so much, Rila, for sharing, you know, your beautiful story, your life experiences, you know, and everything that you've learned so far. You know, I definitely learned a lot from this episode and I'm sure that the listeners um, also have great takeaways and especially the guys. Uh, I, I, I wish, I wish. You I, didn't I, tell I, them how old I am. Then that will <laughs> diminish the no, number we'll, of listeners no, for we'll your sh- podcast. We'll bring it down by 10 years. She definitely doesn't look her age. She looks really <laughs> young, true, That's guys. very true, though. <laughs> I, I want to say I wish you and I pray all the best for you mm. and everything else for your future may Allah continue to grant his blessings and love and peace into your life oh I thank mean, you very mm. much thank you very much and I would keep in mind that you are a night paddy aku nikahkan di Oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, thank you so much, Rila. Thank you, thank you for thank having you, me. Thank you, thank yep. you. And thank you so much, you know, our dear listeners for listening all the way through. We hope that gave you insights on your journey of introspection. We'd love to hear what you think about it. So share with us your wisdom, your insights. Um, tag us on Instagram, the good life underscore podcast so that we can see what you're learning. And don't forget to subscribe, rate and share this episode if you enjoyed it. We can't wait for you to listen to the next episode in the meantime be bold be beautiful and stay the amazing you that you are take care everyone <laughs>